Well, we're excited about today. This is Vision Sunday. This is an opportunity, as Will was already sharing, looking backward and forward. We're looking at what God has done, as well as looking ahead what God wants us to continue to do. And uh, hopefully this will be a a great opportunity just to reflect on uh, why we're here and what we're all about and how we're supposed to do it. In fact, thinking about that, the message uh, title this morning is the, the why, the what, and the how. And it's pretty critical. If you don't somehow get the why and the what and how right, you could, you could have some problems. Uh, life would be a little bit more difficult. Now, some of you just really enjoyed laughing at me last week when I shared with you I had a hard time with a saran wrap box. And if you tear down on it, it doesn't work. You have to tear up or you don't get the ridges that actually tear it apart. And, and so this week, I thought, well, I'm going to have a great week. I'm not going to share any, any of my uh, difficulties this week. But then um, something happened. Uh, there was a, there was a I, I know who it was, but I won't share with you. Their, her initials is Ruth Lee. But anyway, Ruth Lee brought, she, she brought some, she brought some great looking fruit into our, into our office. And I was really excited about it because I, I just, I just really love to eat. What is this? An orange. I just love to eat oranges. And so uh, it was there. And so right around, uh, right around lunchtime, I, I picked, I picked one of these oranges and started, I peeled it myself all by myself, didn't need any help. And uh, then I put a slice in my mouth and all of a sudden I was kind of shocked by what I tasted. I thought, man, this is a little sour. And I thought, you know, I'm kind of a guy who likes to finish what he starts. So I, I just, I just kept putting slices in over and over again at the end. I, I go off to my very intelligent you know, staff, or they were in there, and I said, you know, there's something about this orange that just tastes a little sour. And, and they said, well, the reason that, that orange tastes a little sour is because it's a lemon. <laughs> I'm saying, who does that to people? <laughs> Paints lemons oranges and then tells them to enjoy it. Well, then, then I discovered that, uh, you know, I'm not as bright as I thought I was, is that there, there's actually... There is a thing called a Meyer lemon. How many of you know, are familiar with a Meyer lemon? Oh, man, where have I been all my life? Okay, so a Meyer lemon, for a few of you who didn't raise your hand, who just don't want to volunteer at church because you think that's what happens when you raise your hand at church, a Meyer lemon, it is a hybrid citrus fruit native to China. It is a cross between a citron and a mandarin pomelo, which I have no idea what that is, a hybrid distinct from the common or bitter orange. How many know there's bitter oranges out there? I thought they're all supposed to be sweet. You know, I'm just, I'm such a sweet guy. Just like, you know, okay. Um, and actually these mature trees, if you want to discover them, are around six to, feet, six to 10 feet tall with dark green, shiny leaves. Now I share that story with you just to remind you that it is important to know why you're eating what you're eating. <laughs> and you better make sure you know what it is. Um, and so anyway, as we think about that this morning, we're going to be talking about what Grace Hills is all about, and we're going to try to focus on those three relative pronouns, why, what, and how. And that's really critical for us uh, individually as Christians. If, if you're not all tied into Grace Hills, uh, we, we invite you to be part of the, God's family here. But we're called to live out the Christian life wherever we go. And I really think these principles apply to us all wherever we, God might plant us. And it's really important. If we can get that right, it's going to help us be more focused on what God's plan is for our life. So if you have your outline this morning, go ahead and grab it. And we're going to, we're going to go through a, thing, a few things. And we're going to try to visualize that in a variety of different ways as well. If uh, for some reason uh, you can't stay for the business meeting, which is after the second worship hour, uh, be sure to pick up a, an annual report. 
now we didn't make it for everybody. So if you are if you are single, then you get to take one for yourself. But if you're a family, uh, just grab one, and we will make more if we need be. But it, it'll give you just an overview of all or a number of the things that have happened this this last uh, uh, calendar year for Grace Hills, which is kind of an odd calendar year because it goes from. March 1st through February, the last uh, day in February. So that's kind of our calendar year of ministry. And uh, I hate to contradict Willow. We won't share everything that has happened at Grace Hills over the last uh, year, but many of the things in there are highlighted and we want you to be aware of it. But as you, if, as you look at uh, this morning, the why, the what, and the how, we're, we're going we're gonna to answer some fairly basic questions. In fact, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to talk about before I tell you what I'm going to talk about, all right? We're going to look at why are, we, why are we here, what are we to do, and how we are to do it. Uh, and that's, that's pretty critical. Uh, if you don't know how to do something, you don't know why you're doing it or how you're going to do it, you're, you're, going to, you're going to wallow in a lot of activity, but maybe not a lot of direction that actually results in results. So why are we here? Well, what's the whole point? And maybe you wake, you wake up on a Sunday morning and you go, why, why am I going to go to church today? You know, what, what's, what's the point? You know, maybe I'm a little tired. Maybe, maybe uh, you know, I'm not sure I, I like the pastor. I don't, uh, you know, it's, it's either too, ho- too hot or too cold in the sanctuary. And trust me, I get that every week. It's either too hot or it's too cold. Whatever it might be. And, and you're wondering, you're, you're struggling with the, the why for. Why, why am I here? And that's true not only on a Sunday, but actually every day of your life. Uh, I remember, uh, and this is dating me, pretty profoundly. But in the 60s and the 70s, and I was alive during those, those decades, you know, the big question is, uh, who am I? You know, where am I going? And then the big question, why am I here? And, and now, uh, sometimes that is at the root of everyone's heart, but you don't express it that way as much. But why are you here? Because that's the motivating f- factor in your life is, w- what's the point? What's the point? And, and so I want to answer that very simply, and, and I need to watch my time because we have some creative elements in this service, but why are we here? And let me put it as simply as possible. The Bible says to honor God. And if you want to look at it a different way, you could say that it's to glorify God. Is our lives ought to reflect on who brought us into existence? And, and, and it ought to be a, an expression of life where we give gratitude back to the one who started it all in our lives and everything else that happens in the universe. We're to reflect and demonstrate to this world who God is because we're so grateful for everything he's done and is continuing to do in our lives. And the Bible's pretty, pretty plain on that. We're going to look at some basic passages that says that about as plain as you can think about it. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says this, Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now, that sounds fairly inclusive, doesn't it? Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So we are fulfilling our purpose as a, as a people, collectively and individually, when whatever we do reflects well on who? On God. In fact, even to make it more plain, right before the part I quoted, it says, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And that's, you know, that's, that includes putting an, a sour, mellow lemon in your mouth, you know, this week, Okay. And so, so whatever it might be is that you, you by your attitude and your actions, you're saying, I, I want to reflect in a positive way about who God is. Ephesians 3.21 says this about the church. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. So now he says not only individually, whether you eat or drink, do all the glory of God, 
Then he says, collectively as a church, you are to give glory to God, and not only you, but every generation. Now, look, just look around right at the moment. Okay, just look around. You don't have to look at me. And, and, and as Pam is going out, this is a great illustration of that right now, okay? It, it, do you find that some people here are younger than you? Okay, if you didn't see Pam, you know, all of you think you're just young, perfect gay. Okay, all right. So some people are younger than you. And what's the other point? Some people are? All right, and the point is, it doesn't matter whether someone's younger than you or older than you, they all have the same purpose, don't they? To him, be the glory in the church to all generations, and for how long? Forever and ever. And then, just to conclude that prayer, he says, amen. You know, this is true. Let it be. Let it happen. So there are parts in the Bible that are confusing. Would you, would you agree with that? There are parts you read and go, what in the world is going on here? And, and that's because it's happened over 4,000 years, recorded human history. But some things he says are pretty plain. Individually and collectively, we are to live to the glory of God. Everyone. I'm going to skip Ephesians 6 just for a moment, but in Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, which you have the beginning, which is Genesis, and you have the last book in the Bible, which is Revelation, it says this, Worthy are you, O Lord, and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. So at the very end, you, in fact, I ask myself many questions all the time, and I think, well, why, why should God be glorified all the time? Why are we supposed to honor him? Why are we supposed to praise him? Why are we supposed to reflect who he is to everyone around us? And John, in the book of Revelation, put a pretty plain, because he is worthy. He, it, he deserves it. I, I'm one of those guys that often, you know, doesn't stop to smell the roses. I don't know if any of you guys are like that. I mean, have you noticed all the snow that's been on Saddleback Mountain? You know how beautiful that is? It's just amazing. Well, twice this week, people asked me that question. I said, I've never even looked up there all week. I mean, I, that's to my shame, okay? But when you look at it, that, you just, you're just amazed just how beautiful that is. But sometimes we just are caught up and we just miss things that are so awesome. And what he's saying here, the reason we ought to give praise and honor and glory to God is not because he, he's got a poor self-image, it's because he deserves it. It's, he's worthy of our praise. And we miss it when we don't take time to reflect on who he is. In Romans eleven thirty six, 36, and Bill shared this passage a couple weeks ago, but... It, um, it says, for, for, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory. And again, amen. Is there anything that our eyes ever see or our noses ever smell or any of our other senses get in touch with that didn't come from him? He is worthy of all our honor and glory. And that's what we should be all about. Now, again, sometimes when I reflect on that, I'm thinking, well, okay, well, then how, how are you supposed to do that? Or, or, or what's the point there? If you have your Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to read that just quickly. But in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says uh, some things to the church at Corinth, and he, and he says some just, you know, instructions, uh, some to-do lists. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. And then he gives them a motivation. Why? Because this is right. That's what you're supposed to do. But here's the point that is interesting to me, and it's found in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. Honor your fathers and mothers, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. The, the word honor there, to make is value to, to give honor to, 
to see its, its weight and its, and its importance. And that's what we do with God. But then he brings it down to the children, to the parents. And you're thinking, again, what, my parents, do they have a, a self-image problem, a self-esteem problem? And if I don't praise them all the time, they're going to feel bad about themselves? Well, again, the, the reason you, a child should do that to the parents is because they're worth it, that you wouldn't exist unless they brought you into this world, right? But, but I think also, when you think about honoring your parents in terms of how that actually works out in life, is we think about, you know, for all of us, whatever age we are now, we knew we were an age, a different age before, right? And as children in a home, depending upon how we acted, whether it be at school or in the neighborhood or on an athletic team or whatever, it not only reflected on us, who did it reflect on? Our parents, didn't it? <laughs> if somehow we went haywire, whatever it might be, it, 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 just, it just reflected on our family. And, and what he is saying here is, is we are part of God's family. How we live in attitude or action reflects either positively on him or negatively on him. And, and that's why we, we need to realize that whatever we do, whether we're eating or drinking or whether, whatever activity might be at the home or in the, in the marketplace, in the neighborhood, whatever it might be, our lives should reflect positively on God because he is worthy to get praise, not criticism. And often in a world now when people don't like what Christians do, they're, they're trying to somehow uh, describe us in a way that is so unlike God that they miss it. So why are we here? We are here to honor and glorify God. Secondly, well, what are we to do? What's, what's a primary way to actually give glory and honor to God? Well, let me put it this way. We are to help more people become fully devoted followers of Christ. And if you've been here for any length of time, you realize this is our purpose statement as a church. What is our purpose as a church? To honor God by helping more people become fully devoted followers of Christ. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means it in two different ways. One is in terms of drawing people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the E word, evangelism. But there's the other part where we draw people into a deeper relationship with Christ, and some call that edification, evangelism edification, or leading people to Christ and helping them grow in Christ. That's what we're here about. When, when we do that, we're, we're doing our assignment collectively and individually as people of God. We're drawing people to a relationship with him, and we're helping people to grow deeper in the relationship with him, become fully devoted followers of Christ. And that's to be for all generations. And so as we think about why we're here, we're here to, to honor God. And what are we to do? Help more people become fully devoted followers of Christ. And, and, and we're, all, we're all on that team to do so. God has called his people to become members of his church, but also to be ministers in his church, but to be missionaries. To, to reach out to people that we know and to impact their lives in a way where they come to faith and they grow in their faith. And when Jesus was here, it says in Luke 19, 10, 10 that the Son of Man came uh, to seek and to save that which was lost. And in Acts 1, 8, he, he gave the, the commission to his disciples that was to carry on throughout the time between him ascending into heaven and then returning. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you should be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. 
And so often when we think about uh, our part in God's program, we think, well, I, I don't have enough to give. I, and we're not talking about finances here. We're talking about your gifts and talents or abilities or your lack thereof. And you're thinking, well, what can I offer? And, and we, we forget that we can, we can impact people's lives because we have God's spirit living within us and he empowers us to, to touch the people that we can touch. And uniquely, you are the best representative of Christ to people that you know than anyone else who lives on this planet. And so we are called to, to reach out and touch people uh, spiritually with our lives, and as imperfect as they are, to show them the love of Christ. And, and as we can progressively grow in our own faith, we have more faith to share with others. In 2 Peter chapter 3, 8, 9, there's that, that statement that talks about Jesus delaying his return. He said, well, you know, to, to God, you know, a thousand years is like a day, and a day is like a thousand years to him. And he's not really slow about his promise, but he he desired for, he, that all would come to repentance. He's not really willing for any to perish, but he desired for people to come to faith. And so we have the opportunity to be involved in God's program when we see why we're here and what we're to be all about. Another passage in 2 Corinthians uh, 3.18 says, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. God's, God's not finished with us yet. So as we think of why we're here and what we're, what we're to do, it's pretty straightforward. But then it gets down to, well, how am I supposed to do it? How, what's, what's the plan? And, and this is what I would say. For us to do it, knowing how to do it, we have to have a plan, and then we need to be passionate about it. You know, the, the best plan that's not enthusiastically carried out won't accomplish really anything. But if you don't have a plan, then there's no matter how much you're, you're excited about it, how much you're pumped up about it, you're, you're not going to get anything done because you, you don't know where you're going. I, often when uh, I've gotten lost, you know, people say, where, where are we? And I say, well, I don't know, but we're making good time. <laughs> well, that doesn't help anything. You know, you better be knowing where you're going, but as you're going, you better be giving your best effort. And so God wants us to be aware of that. So what is the plan? Well, at, at Grace Hills, we've tried to put it in a very simple way. It, it, collectively and individually, we think this, this is a good a map to go on, a good blueprint in terms of accomplishing what God wants to accomplish in your life, both to build in your faith and your share your faith with others. And we call it the OWLs, Oikos, Worship, Life Group, and Service. And it's really a game plan for us to say, well, what part can I play in that whole plan to carry out what God wants me to be, to be all that God wants me to be, and then share that with others. And, and there's different methods you could use with this, but the principles are here, and we're going to see them in Scripture. And, and the first one is oikos, and if you're new to our church, you might not be aware of that particular term. It's a, it's a, it's a Greek term. It, the word oikos means household or extended household, and it, it's really about those relationships in your life that are... Uh, particularly unique to you or some people that are close to you, that you know them better than other people might know them, and that you're tied to them. And that's God's mission field for each one of us, our primary mission field, where God wants us to influence the people that we know because they know what we're, you know, we're just shining them on. They know if we're really trying to live out what we're, what we're saying. They're, they know whether we're trying to practice what sometimes we're preaching. And so that's the challenge for us. And so how we are to do it, we are to pray and reach out to people in our oikos, our relational world, and desire that they would come to faith in Jesus Christ. And what we want to do is we want to share a little uh, video or vignette on, on each one of these. Some of the people in our church are, are, tr- are endeavoring to live that out. And so uh, we're going to have Jeff share a little bit about what oikos is all about. Mm-hmm. 
Well, the idea of oikos, that is that those 8 to 15 people that God has uh, divinely put into my life and your life and really everybody's life, um, has helped me focus um, my evangelism efforts. I still am constantly looking around wherever I am to engage people in a conversation. But Oikos has helped me focus on those specific people in my life, guys at the gym, people at work, people in my neighborhood. And over time, I can continually be praying for them, um, inviting them to various things at the church, men's group, uh, and inviting them out to lunch and eventually uh, be involved with their lives and uh, hopefully have that conversation with them to introduce them to Christ. So as Jeff shared that, you you see how simple it really is. It's just really identifying the people in your life that you really want to have an impact on. And it really begins by just praying for them. And and many times we can have between 8 and 15. But I would just say focus at least on five people in your your world and begin to pray for them on a daily basis and say, God, I, I want to impact them. You know, this is, this is a, a part of God's plan that we can all be involved in. And, and no matter how uh, we see ourselves, and some people look at people who share their faith as, uh, as requiring a certain personality. It, it's not about a personality. It's, it's someone who's in, who cares about persons. That's really what it's all about. And, and we can all pray for people. And, and when we begin to think, well, I don't have any in my relational world that don't know Christ, well, then, then ask God to give you some. And you can be praying for people they don't even know their name and just asking, God, I want to get to know that person and I want to show them the love of Christ and I want to speak into their life. Not not somehow presenting myself as as better than they are, but pointing them to someone that's more important than anybody in this whole universe. It's it's the God who came to deliver us from our sin and come to know him in a personal way. You know, in, in Luke chapter 15, verse 7, and that's that whole place where that chapter in which you had the lost sheep and the lost coin, and then you had the lost son, the prodigal son. And, and in Luke 15, 7, it said that there's more joy in heaven over one sinner that repents than over 99 people who think they don't need any, any help from God. And so we're just, we're just going into people's lives and just in a positive way trying to influence them for Jesus. In Mark chapter 5, which is a classic passage on oikos, and you, and you have an English Bible, it's not going to say the word oikos, but also often it'll say home or house. And, and you, have the, you have the dramatic change in the life of a man who was demon-possessed, and, and Jesus delivers this man in a, in a miraculous way. And, and as he instant, instantaneously saw the, the transformation in his life, his natural response is one that we could all identify with. Well, I want to go wherever Jesus is because he's the one to change my life. I want to be as close to him as possible. I don't want to hear it secondhand. I want to hear it firsthand. I mean, let's be honest. If you had to choose between me preach and Jesus preach, who would you rather hear? <laughs> Me, right? No, no. You'd all want to hear Jesus, right? Why why would you want to hear from me? I mean, I'm not the, I don't give give you the message. I'm just the messenger boy gives you the message that's already been spoken and try to explain it or put it in a way that makes makes sense. But we would all want to hear Jesus. And so, so he, he just, it says implored, which means he begged Jesus, can I, can I go with you? And you know what Jesus said? He said, no. I've got a mission for you. I want you to go to your oikos, to your home, to the people you know, and just tell them the great things God has done for you. Yeah, and the amazing thing about that is he had not gone to seminary. He hadn't gone to Bible school. He hadn't been raised in the church. He hadn't gone to church for any length of time. He had just been into a, a, a relationship with Jesus. And now he said, now just tell what you know. Often people don't share their faith, and we all struggle with it. Uh, because, number one, we think we need to know all the answers. What do they ask us a question? 
we, we can't answer. And you know how you answer that? That's a great question. Maybe I'll pray about getting an answer for you. I mean, you don't have to have all the answers. In fact, they've done studies. You know, people don't come to Jesus because someone gave them all the answers. What they did is they, they gave them Jesus. Romans 1.16 says, it's the power of the gospel. This is the power of God that will change people's lives. And so don't think you need to know all the answers. Just share what you do know. Uh, you know point them to Jesus. And anyway, so this, this demon-possessed man went back to his household and many people responded to the message of Christ. So here's the challenge for all of us. Are, are we all about being what God wants us to be? Do, do we want to live a life that honors God? Do we want to help more people become fully devoted followers of Christ? And where does that begin? Is each of us saying, well, who, who in my relational world, my oikos, can I begin praying for and, and trying to impact, to, to share the message of Christ, to invite them, to do what Jeff was sharing, just, just, just looking for opportunities to spend time with them and just open up your life and the life of Christ to them from you. So it begins with oikos. But as we think of how, how you spell owls, there's also the W. And the W really is all about worship. And here, the challenge here is to be habitual in your worship of Christ. And what I want to share with you, obviously, as you look at what a church does, every church in the world that, that, that is functioning for God, basically what they do is they do two things. They gather and then they scatter. What we're doing right now is we're gathering, right? We gather in a corporate way. We worship and and hear God's word and sing praises to him and spend time in prayer and, and have fellowship with each other. We, we gather. And, and throughout the week, we'll meet as well. And, and that happens in a variety of different ways. But we gather to scatter. Okay? Uh, but we're not going to be motivated to scatter if we, if we don't really rem- remind ourselves just all the time that he is worthy of our praise. He is worthy for us to dedicate our lives to, to honor and to to bring glory to him. And so worship is, is so essential. And let me just throw you what, what's happened recently in United States church experience where it, it used to be where, where, where people who, who came to know the Lord and were excited about him would come to church on a regular basis. You know, 3.8 times you know, out of four well, then it got to three, then it got to two, and now it's like 1.4 times a week, a time a month that people come to church. Now, you know, God's not having, you know, he's not, he's not up there with a attendance chart up there being mad at you because you missed church. But what's the value of gathering together to worship? And hopefully you see value when we gather together. And so what we're going to talk about now is... Uh, Cindy's going to share a little bit about what she's experienced at Grace Hills as she's come into the, the life of the church and what worship has done for her. My husband Jeff and I started worshiping at Grace Hills one year ago, which is hard to imagine. And during that time, my faith walk has grown immensely uh, because of the worship time here. And I don't want to get emotional, but it's true. Um, from the time that we walked in the door, um, I know that God, God's Word says that we are to love the Lord our God, God with our, our heart and soul and mind. And from just walking into Grace Hills, we felt the love of the congregation. And um, everyone here is very genuine. It has allowed me to be who I am. 
Um, during the worship time with the music ministry, I am able to praise God, to pray, uh, just to to uh, acknowledge Him and who He is in our life and why we are here doing what we're doing. Um, also, the um, Word, the message has just equipped me. It's helped me be a better person, I hope. And um, the ongoing, using the message to speak to me and to help me in my daily walk. I also am able to take the personal time with God handout and use that daily to um, grow deeper in my faith and to praise Him again daily for all that He has provided. Um, the other part that has really uh, is very important to me during my worship time is the fellowship time between services. And oftentimes we uh, transition between the contemporary service and the traditional service because we like both types of music. And so we always try to make it to the fellowship time because we're able to connect with all of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's why I worship here in Grace Hills. And as you as you were listening to Cindy, you, you you heard really what we want to convey at Grace Hills Church that worship is not really just on Sunday; it's a seven day a week experience. I don't know what she was talking about being emotional in church, so I, I didn't quite get that. <laughs> you know, the Bible is pretty plain about the value of worship, and in many ways. And I was uh, kind of joking about, you know, has God got a self-image problem or self-esteem problem? Really, worship does so much more for us than even Him. I mean, He is worthy of it. He's worthy of worship. We don't give more glory to God. We just recognize His glory. And the Bible says in Psalm 29, 2, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. And in Psalm 90, Psalm. 95, 6, and 7, come, let us worship and bow down before the Lord our God, our maker. So there's a reason why we worship. And again, it's an act of worship that we really can experience every day of the week. We just get the opportunity to gather corporately to do, which enhances our worship on a day-by-day basis. And really, it's, it's really living out Titus 2.13, which we've been working our, on as far as a memory verse for this, this particular month. You know, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. So, as we think about what, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to live a life that reaches out to our relational world, our oikos, people we know, begin praying for them. It's a, it's a, it's a responsibility, but even more so, so, it's a privilege. Just being a spokesman for God and, and a life-related one in which we just impact people's lives. Secondly, that we live a life of worship corporately and individually. And then thirdly, invest your life in a, in a life group. That's where we meet throughout the week, where we, we realize that we need to encourage each other to grow spiritually and live out our faith. And so we're going to have uh, Alan share a little bit about that as we look at it at this moment. In order to give credit to the blessings of my life group, I must backtrack briefly. At an early age, my sisters and I were abandoned and abused, only to end up back in the abuser's control. Our only goal was to survive until we could escape. I accepted Christ at the age of 16. However, I lived a solitary life as a Christian most of my adult life, feeding on God's word of hope, forgiveness, 
mercy, grace, and love. But I never really found the fulfillment God promised in his words. It was not until my mid-40s that I discovered, like Christ himself, it is not in my isolation that I could find healing, but rather in the circle of loving, godly believers who trust, pray, and love one another. I have found this blessing in my life group. This is what I know from my experiences today. God never wastes your hurt. It is in harmful relations that I was wounded, and it is in healing relationships that I'm healed. Like life group. God's timing is always perfect. Thank you. If you think about what Life Group is all about, it's Life Group is, is the opportunity for us to gather together and really encourage one another, to build one another up, to help us focus on what God's plan is for our life, and just to live out our faith. And, and there are times in people's life, and maybe their stage of life, where they're not able, because of schedule, whatever it might be, uh, to be in a Life Group. But this is a tool by which God allows us to fulfill and live out what He, he wants us to do. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembly together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. And uh, it, we all need that. Um, and so we never get to that point where we can, we can live the Christian life on, on the Lone Ranger basis. I mean, for some of us who really need it, we're in three groups. Oh, that's me. Okay. So anyway, you know, you know I, I just want to encourage you just to take advantage of the opportunity. And then John 13 says that we really, we demonstrate the reality of who Jesus is when we love one another as Christ has loved us. And that happens when you get close to people who are on the journey. We're all on a journey. God's, you know, probably described, or we've described the church as the perfect place for imperfect people. And we've never arrived, we haven't arrived fully until we see Jesus face to face. And then finally, as we think of owls, oikos, worship, life groups, the S stands for service, where God has called us here not only to, to seek out people who don't know him, but to use our gifts and talents and abilities to serve him. And Cam shares as we look at what service is all about. Well, this can be a long list, but I'll give you the top three. Um, a long time ago, I met two men whose lives were all about service. And um, these were Christians. And so they had a life of service and I wanted to be just like them. So you can say service actually brought me to Christ. Uh, they followed Christ, so I wanted to be like them. So one thing led to another and that was all from them providing service and doing things for people. Uh, the second way that service has really blessed my life is, um, again, back to my friends. They taught me way early in my uh, Christian life, um, do as what Jesus would do. You know, they taught me WWJD, uh, what would Jesus do? And uh, I, you know, even back then, I knew what Jesus did. He served. And so, you know, when I served, I felt like Jesus. And that was, you know, very, very important. And then uh, the third um, really big way that service has blessed me um, and mostly I mean like you know serving in the church of course and, and outside but uh, at Grace Hills it has brought me the most awesome church family that anyone could ask for 
Um, these are, again, people I want to be with and who care for people and whose lives are all about service and helping others. And so basically that's how uh, service at Grace Hills has uh, truly blessed my life. And so as you think about what service is all about is just as we put up on the, on the screen in your outline, is just use your gifts and talents for God. Where, where God is giving you the uh, unique abilities and uh, how God has shaped you and designed you, it's, it's just for the purpose of saying, well, how, how can I be a blessing in somebody else's life? You know, Jesus came in Mark 10, 45. Not only uh, Luke says he came to seek and save that which is lost. In Mark 10, 45, he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life. And so we, we, are, in, we are in the whole... Uh, team of people called the church to, to say, what, what can I do for others? How can I serve? How can I be a part that allows the church of God to be all that God wants us to be? In 1 Peter 4.10, it says, uh, as each one has been given a spiritual gift, use it in serving one another. And so that's, that's God's empowerment and giftedness to be what God wants you to be. It's not a matter of comparing yourself with others about what they can do and what you can't do, but what can you do and then use it for God's sake and for his glory? So what was the point this morning? And um, I, I just want to tell Mark, Mark, see, I, I talked fast enough and got through the message. Right? He said, there's no way you're going to do it. All right. It is, as, as we think about what it's all about, it's understanding just that, that God has a, a why and a what and a how. And, and you can frame it in a variety of different ways, but it's pretty plain and pretty clear in God's word. We're here to bring honor and glory to him. Whatever you do, do all the glory of God. We're here to accomplish his plan for this planet, which is draw people into relationship with him and to know him in a deep and intimate way so they too can be a part of all that they were intended to be from the very beginning. And so we're here to help more people become fully devoted followers of Christ. And how are we, are, are we to do it? Well, you, you could put it this way. It's all about reaching out into your oikos, your relational world. It's all about living a life of worship, gathering for worship, but but living a life of worship that honors God and, and your focus is on him. And then thirdly, it's about being with other people that will spur you on to grow deeper in your faith. And then it's about saying, God, I, I'm available. I just want to serve you. And so the so what simply is let's go for it. Let's pray. Lord, as you uh, sent your son here, as he was here, he announced that his closest companions, we call them his apostles, his disciples. He said, I will build my church. And he takes imperfect people to follow a perfect plan to lead people to a perfect Savior. Father, help us to be all about that for your sake and your glory and your honor. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.